Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. All right. Good morning. How are you? Doing well? Good to see you. It's good to be in the Republic of Texas today. Amen. I spent a lot of my adult life here. I get that. I'm, I'm from Louisiana, but I've spent a lot of time in Texas, lived here 10 or 12 years of my adult life. And you can't say that in any other state. They don't get it. Like if I'm in Seattle and I say the Republic of Washington, they just stare at me. Like I can, you know, like a calf staring at a new gate, right? So, but I come to Texas, you get it. That's right. The Republic of Texas. Good to be here in the 51st state. So good to be with you. <laughs> I love, let me just say this, I know your pastor's out of town and he is, uh, I think he's in Israel, right? And that's, that's a pretty good trip. I'm glad he's got to do that. But Pastor Jeff and Brandy have been our friends for a long time. And it takes a long time to become old friends. And I, I just want to tell you this. I'm not saying this to be kind, I am, but I am, it's, it is a kind thing that I'm saying. But Pastor Jeff and Pastor Brandy are two of the finest, most genuine, humble kind, sincere people I know on the planet. And you let, can we just honor your pastors and the leadership that they've had at your church? And uh, I see I got my LSU fan right here in front of me, so I already feel like I got, got my people in the house. I'm like, love that, I was born and raised in Louisiana. My wife is actually watching online. We, we met in Louisiana. This August, we'll be married 34 years. That is pretty big, right? Yeah, he's uh, also a Louisiana girl. And uh, we got married in the seventh grade at 12 years old. It was a scandal. And if you, if you met my wife, we're, we're right at the same age, like a year and a half apart, but she looks 10 years younger than me. So I'm getting, I'm starting, I'm aging a lot worse than she is. And I'm starting to get these stares like I've married a very young woman. So I just want you to know we're about the same age if you see us together. She's just getting more beautiful as she gets older and I'm, I'm, I'm not, so. So it's good to be with you today. I, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't realize, I forgot how hot it gets in Texas in late June. And this is how much I love your pastor. When he called and said, hey, could you come and speak for me? I said, great, in late June. And I said, this is, this is a proof that I love Pastor Jeff. Because I don't want to tell you what the, how, what the temperature was in my house in Colorado when I left on Friday morning, but it rhymes with 47. So just, I want you to like me. But I'm going back there today, and y'all come up and visit me anytime you want in July and August, all right? It's like 120 here on Wednesday. I saw that. It's like, what is this, the desert out here? I forgot how hot it is. So y'all come on to Colorado, bring your Texas money with you. Come on. We like it. <laughs> Turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, oh, another, one more thing. Uh, I, I, I had another like, monumental moment in my life in the last year. Both of my kids moved out of the house. I just, I just want to say to all the young parents, this too shall pass, all right? All those 3 a.m. feedings and all that stuff in the middle of the night, all the crying and screaming, they moved out of my house. They both graduated from college last year. They both got jobs and moved out of my house. Now, they only moved five minutes away. So they'll probably be there waiting on me tonight, wanting food when I get back home tonight. But you know, I didn't cry one single tear when they left. I love them. I'm crazy about my kids. I just didn't cry. I feel bad about that. But I just wanted to share that with you and see if there was any other empty nesters in the room. 
Come on, raise your hand if you're an empty nester. Thank God. We did it. Yes. I'm honored to be here to talk about worship today. I love that you're in the middle of this series. I think now more than ever, America needs a worshiping church. America needs people who are committed to the presence of the Lord now more than ever. And I love that you're in this series exploring what the scriptures say about worship. Now, before we read the text in Revelation 4, I want to point out what Revelation 3 says. Revelation 3, at the very end of that, it's a letter written to a church in Laodicea. And the the letter says, at the very end of it, he says, Behold, I stand at your door, the door of your heart, and I knock. And if you hear me and open that door, it says, I will come into your life. That's what most people believe is worship, and it is. It's, it's a, it certainly is a, a part of our worship. When we stand here this morning and we lift our hands before the Lord, we say, Father in heaven, I hear you knocking. I open the door of my life. Jesus, would you come into my life, settle into my mess, and help me? That is nothing wrong with that being a definition of worship. It's just an incomplete definition of worship. Because Revelation chapter 4 actually shows us another invitation. So Revelation 3 is an invitation for us to allow Jesus into our world. That's a great place to start. Revelation 4, though, is God inviting us into his world. God welcoming us into his presence, and he's showing us the language of heaven is worship. Go to Revelation 4. We're going to read 2 through 6 here. He says, at once John, he says, I was in the spirit. Now, let's just stop here for a moment and know who John is. John is alone on a deserted island. It's worse than Gilligan, okay? He's on the, he is on a deserted island. He is, he is skimping for food. He's looking for fresh water. He's barely able to keep himself alive with the food that he's finding on this island. It's just a big rock in the middle of the water, quite honestly. And he's alone. He is separated from his church separated from his family. He is desperate. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descends upon him. It says that once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. So 24 plus one, that's 25 thrones that he sees. That's very important for this message, so keep that in your mind. And seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing, and there were seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that these scriptures are alive. They were given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We can trust them with our lives. We invite your word to penetrate the darkest areas of our soul today. We ask and we give you permission today to challenge us, to shape us, to convict us if necessary, to do holy work in hidden places. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're okay with any of that, would you say amen with me? Now, I think a lot of people misunderstand the book of Revelation. It's certainly the book of Revelation. It certainly contains a lot of prophetic messages that we should be paying attention to. 
is certainly a lot of poetry in the book of Revelation, but quite honestly, a lot of the book of Revelation was drawn trying to describe what he saw. It's that simple. John is caught up into heaven, and just like you or I, we would have a hard time putting words and describing what we were seeing. He saw something so magnificent. He saw something so wonderful that he, he was struggling to describe the enormous beauty and joy and power of heaven. And I want you to notice that he, he uses the word throne three or four times. In fact, the word throne appears in almost every chapter of Revelation. So it's a common theme throughout this book, the word throne. And that's important because I want to, I want to, I want to show you this. I want to ask you a question. What does John see here? So I just read the text to you. I'm going to read some more of it in just a moment. But as I read that out loud to you, maybe that was the first time you've ever heard that text. Maybe you've heard it, you know, dozens of times growing up. But what does John see? I'm going to give you four things because I believe this is what worship produces in our lives. People who choose to worship will also see these four things. Here's the first thing he saw. He saw beauty. He saw something beautiful. Listen, I believe that we are living in a world that's becoming less beautiful. I think we're seeing a world that's being overshadowed by darkness and distress. I think we need as God's people, as followers of Jesus, we should be people who look for and create beautiful things. We serve a God who is beautiful. Heaven is beautiful. Paradise is beautiful. And John, when he is on that rock, he is on that island, he is starving and alone. He's in a desperate situation. He needed to see something beautiful. Listen, beauty will save your life. Beauty will save your soul. I don't want to become a person that looks around and I can't see the beauty. I live in Colorado. Pikes Peak is across the street from my church. So every day when I wake up, when I go into my office, I open the window and there's Pikes Peak and it still has snow on the top of Pikes Peak even today. We've had a lot of snow up there and it is, it is glorious. I mean, the, it is, I, mean I, I don't have any excuse for not seeing beauty. But listen, Texas is beautiful too. I've lived here a long time and there is beauty all around you. And John, when he's caught up, when we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord, we need to be reminded that God is the creator of beauty and we should surround ourselves, infiltrate ourselves with things that are beautiful. Here's the second thing, he saw strength. He did not see a weak, passive God. He saw a God sitting on the throne. He saw a God wearing a crown. He saw strength. Milestone Church, let me remind you today that Christ is still resurrected. Christ is still the King. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father, even this morning, making intercession for you and your family and your friend. Jesus is alive. The tomb is still empty. He is King and Lord over all. So he sees strength. He saw beauty. And he saw authority. He saw something in heaven that had authority. The, the king was wearing a crown. The king was sitting on a throne. That is strength and authority. He, he heard something. He saw authority to make things happen and change. John knew at that moment that he could call upon the name of the Lord. And when he prayed and when he worshiped, God would move on his behalf. It's one thing to believe that you serve a strong God. That's important. It's another thing to believe you have a God who has authority over your life. Not only is he strong, but he's present. Not only is he strong, but he's active in my life. 
I've already, I've already felt the active presence of God in my life this morning when I woke up. I've been for the last uh, seven or eight years, I've been praying this prayer every single morning for seven or eight years. When I turned 50 years old, I started praying this prayer and the prayer is come Holy Spirit. Now it's a prayer that the church has been praying for about 1700 years. We can look back and find this prayer 1700 years ago. And it's not because I believe the Holy Spirit ran off and left me in the middle of the night. It's not a prayer that says, hey, Holy Spirit, come back to me. It's a, it's a prayer to remind me of how much I need the Holy Spirit. So this morning, before I looked at my phone, before I looked at anything, I was in my bed. I'll do it tomorrow morning. I'll do it Tuesday morning. I lift my hands and I say, Father in heaven, come, Holy Spirit, send the Holy Spirit into my life because I need this authority. I know you're strong. I know you're beautiful, but I need your authority. And then he saw a fourth thing. He saw peace. He says before the throne, there was a, a, like a sea of glass in front of the throne. I don't know if you've ever been on a large body of water when there was no wind, but that it, there is a sea of glass. There is a peace in heaven that the world cannot give you. You can go looking for peace, but I, I've got good news for you. You're already following the Prince of Peace. He, wherever Jesus arrived, wherever Jesus shows up, he brings peace with him. There, there are so many stories in the Bible of him being out on the Sea of Galilee. There's more than one story of him calming the raging waters, speaking to a storm and causing it to stop. Listen, Jesus wants to come into your life. When we worship the Lord, you may have walked in here with a troubled soul. You may have walked in here with a disturbed soul. But when you welcome the Prince of Peace into your life, you're welcoming the source, the author of peace into your life. So he saw beauty, he saw strength, he saw authority, and he saw peace. So I want to share some things with you this morning, just for a few minutes. I have about 16 minutes left. And I'm going to share all of this with you in 16 minutes or less. There's three things, if you if you're want to be a man or a woman who understands the presence of God, who welcomes more of God into your life through worship, there are three things you've got to catch this morning. And one is that worship is admitting that we're not in control. And this is so hard for us. Listen, all, this is hard for anyone, but it's especially hard for us. When we come before God, we are accustomed. Listen, let's be honest. Churches, don't be, be, talk back to me here for a moment. Do you believe that it's difficult for you to surrender control? Yes, it's difficult for me. I feel safer when I'm in control, but I am stronger when God's in control of my life. Listen, I have tried for a really long time to be God and I am terrible at it. Come on, I'm not the only one in the room. We're born thinking we're God. We're born thinking we can do this on our own and then suddenly we realize I need a savior. I am lost. I can't, I can't save myself. The toughest guy in this room, you can't save yourself. The, the strongest, smartest woman in this room, you can't save yourself. Every human being has tried to save themselves and all of us have failed. And this is the essence of coming before God in worship. I come before him with my hands open, with my head bowed. Give me today my daily bread. Father in heaven, I know that you've given me wisdom. You've given me smarts. I understand the strength that you've given me. But at, on my best day, when I feel the smartest, when I feel the strongest, it's still not enough. 
Amen, Milestone. Come on, somebody, are you listening to me this morning? This is what worship does. It's what happened right over there in the corner just a moment ago when I'm singing that song. Father in heaven, I realize you are king. You are the Lord. I am not in control. And I surrender my life. Listen, I get saved every single day. I just, I find myself praying the same prayer I prayed 35 years ago. Father in heaven, I need you. Father in heaven, I surrender. Father in heaven, I welcome more of you and less of me in my life today. That's a salvation prayer, right? We need to be, we need to be born again every day. Come into his presence and welcome more of him. All right, let's, let's pick back up here. Let me show you this. Revelation 4, go to verse 6 now. So John continues to try to describe what he is seeing in heaven. He says, in the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Now, we know this is moms. These are moms in heaven. They got eyes in the back of their heads. They can see everything. My mom had eyes everywhere. <laughs> I like that. All right? That's a good joke, by the way. All right, the first, and we also know there were dads in heaven, because look at this. The, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. So there's all these human beings, all these creatures in heaven. Again, John's doing the best he can to describe the strength and the glory of heaven. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Now listen to what's happening. Day and night, they never stop saying, listen, some of you have lost loved ones. You know they're in heaven. You know the loved ones that you have lost are in the presence of heaven right now. Let me tell you what they're experiencing. This is going to be a great comfort to you. Right now, your loved ones who are in the presence of the Lord, let me tell you what they're hearing right now. They're hearing these words, and say them out loud with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In other words, he was faithful yesterday. He's going to be faithful to you today, and he's going to be faithful tomorrow. Why? Because he's holy, holy, holy. Listen, this is why, this is the God that you can surrender to. This is, why, this is why I've learned this is a God I can trust. It's not difficult for me to surrender my life to that God, to the God of the universe, who's holy, holy, holy. He's not corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy, and he's faithful. Listen, I'm called on you today to give up more of your life, to surrender control of your life to a God that you can trust. And listen, we worship with the conviction that we're in the presence of God. Not because we feel it, but because we know he's near. And I want you to catch this today. Failure to worship leaves us at the mercy of the world's whims and fears. In other words, without worship, we will live manipulated lives. Now, listen, I know all of you have probably a smartphone. I can't, you, most of us can't imagine a world without something in our hand or device. Everything you've seen this morning, with very few exceptions, you saw because of a carefully crafted algorithm that's been, that, you, that targets you as an individual. Almost everything we're seeing as we scroll through our phones is someone asking us to believe what they believe or to buy what they are selling. We're being manipulated. Do you agree with that? Adver advertisement 
at its basic core is manipulation. Listen to everything that they're trying to sell you, they tell you you deserve. I didn't realize my, des my dog deserved better food. I didn't realize I deserved white teeth, but I was told just this week, get the white teeth that you deserve. I mean, I didn't realize I had so many rights that were being violated. But listen, that's what we're told 1,500 to 2,000 times a day. We're being saturated with information. Listen, if you want to live a life that is focused on the goodness of God, if you want to be a powerful man and woman filled with the Holy Spirit, committed to the assignment God has for you, you cannot do that without worship. Worship, read, listen, worship steadies us. Worship gives us purpose and direction. I can't imagine going throughout my day without an attitude of worship because, well, listen, worship recalibrates me on the goodness of God. All these things on the right and the left and in the center are trying to get my attention. Listen, some of you have been mad for five years and you don't know why. It's because you're being manipulated by a world system that wants to keep you angry and agitated. God is trying to bring you back into a place of peace and power, of of conviction and strength that happens only when we surrender ourselves in worship. And here's the second thing I want you to catch today. Worship is a personal decision. I have to make up my mind to worship. I have to decide to worship. I don't worship because I feel like it. I don't worship because everything in my life is puppies and rainbows and, 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 and unicorns. I mean, I'm not, not everything is perfect in my world all the time. I am troubled and upset just like you are, but I choose to worship. I decide to worship. Let me read this to you in Psalm, Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Listen, let me ask you a question. How many of you have felt downcast, which means sad, or have you been disturbed? How many of you in the last seven days have found yourself was anxiety, sadness, something disturbing you? Raise your hand if that's you in the room today. That's all of us, right? All right, in that moment, in that moment, listen to what he says. Put your hope in God. And these next four words are the key. For I will yet praise him. When I find myself downcast, when I find that my soul is disturbed, for I will yet praise him though. I will not let the conditions of the world are my emotions dictate my worship. My worship is a decision that I'm making. I am deciding to worship in spite of my feelings, in spite of what someone says to me, in spite of the emotional state of, of, of today, I am going to worship. I decide to lift my voice. I don't sing very well, but I make a joyful noise and it's a loud joyful noise. And I'm a little bit hard of hearing, so it's probably louder than most people like anyway. But I decide to lift my voice. I decide to raise my hands. And I know some of you are like this. This is the uh, carrying the TV phase of worship. Then you get here, then you find yourself really lifting your hands. Listen, whatever, wherever you are right now, lift your hands. The Bible says lift up your hands before the Lord. Surrender your life. It's a sign of I, I need you. I welcome you. I receive you. I decide to clap my hands. And I don't have great rhythm, but I'm deciding to clap my hands. I'm deciding to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. I decide to bow down and worship. Those are decisions that I'm making. 
Here's the last thing I want you to catch this morning in worship is a prophetic announcement. And right now we need a church that knows how to proclaim God in a world that has run away from God. The church needs to stand tall right now and say, hey, come back to Jesus. Listen, worship is a prophetic announcement. Listen to Psalm, Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love. Listen to the active verbs in this, in this passage of scripture. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Notice in all these verbs, it's us saying something. I had a guy tell me the other day, he said, Pastor Brady, you know, I worship in private. I said, that's fine. I don't care. I mean, that's fine. It's better when we're together, but I'm glad that you worship in private. You just can't worship silently. You can't worship in silence. That's not an option. Say it. Listen, the power of life and death is in your words. And some of you need to speak life over your marriage. Speak life over your business. If you have a prodigal son and daughter, speak life over them. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon them. Here's what you're saying. In the moment of worship, when your world is turned upside down, what you're saying is, it will not always be this way. There are things in my life that, are, that are, are broken right now. There are things in my world that are broken, but I'm saying to them, it's not always going to be that way. All things will be made new. Here's what it says in the Nicene Creed. Christ will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will last forever. Listen, that's, what, that's, that's the future that is ours. He's coming again in glory to judge the living dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Listen, Milestone Church, here's what I'm asking you to Worship allows us to sing about the morning while living at midnight. And some of you walked in here this morning, you're living in a world that's a bit dark. Your mental health, listen, I, I have such compassion for people wrestling with anxiety and fear and mental health, and it is at an all-time high in our country right now. And I'm, I'm guessing there's 30 to 40% of you in this room that are wrestling with something because that's what's happening in the culture. And I want you to know the church is the place where you can be the most honest in this room. God, God welcomes you into his presence when you're wrestling with those issues in your life. I have close family members that are wrestling right now with mental health. They're wrestling with a lot of anxiety. And I understand the complexities of it. I understand how difficult it is. And all I can do sometimes, I don't have an answer for them. I don't have a prescriptive cure for them. All I know is that when I worship over them, when I speak over them, I'm speaking life over their mind, their heart, their soul. I know they're living at midnight, but morning is coming. It's not always going to be broken. Our world is not always going to be broken. There's a new kingdom coming, a new heaven and a new earth are on its way. And we will be the people that welcomes his return. We will welcome the king of kings, the, the king of glory to inhabit this space again. And we will live with him forever and ever in a world that is free from sin, sickness, and death. I am looking forward to that day. But in the meantime, until he comes, I'm gonna turn my hands toward the Lord in worship. I wanna share one story with you this morning. I've shared this story here before, but it's been a few years. And on my 100th day as senior pastor, I've been the pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs for 16 years, but on my 100th day as the pastor, I've been there three months. 
On a Sunday morning, a young man came on our campus with an automatic rifle, parked in my parking lot, got out of his car with a thousand rounds of ammunition strapped to his body. We had an active shooter in my church. He killed two teenage girls, killed them instantly in my parking lot, shot them, they died in the parking lot, and then they wounded his father, their father. He came into my building. There were 600 people in my building. He opened fire into my building, wounding other people. And then finally, a volunteer security guard opened fire on him, put him down. He crawled over into an adjacent place and put a gun under his chin and ended his own life. I, I know what it feels like to be overwhelmed by darkness. It was the darkest day of my life on that Sunday, December night, 2007. It was the darkest day of my life. That afternoon, I went out to the parking lot. It was so cold, it was six inches of snow on the ground. It was, I forgot my jacket. So I had to go do a news conference and answer a bunch of questions. Every news organization in the world was there. Worldwide coverage of this event. And I was, I was so cold after I got finished, the police officer said, you wanna sit in the back of my car and warm up? I said, yes. So it wasn't the first time I've been in the back of a police car, but it was the first time I was innocent. So I'm sitting in the back of the police car of all places on that Sunday night, freezing, trying to warm up. And I said to the guy next to me, I said, well, I guess this is why I was called here, to be a hospice pastor, to give a once great church an honorable funeral. But there's no way the church is going to recover from this. I just thought that we're done. And then we called for a prayer meeting on Wednesday night and to my surprise, 6,000 people showed up to this prayer meeting, packed our auditorium, we had standing room only, I was, I saw such sadness on their faces though. They just, there was no hope in the room. And then we began to sing. And we sang this song out of the book of Revelation. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We will overcome. And we sang that song and then we sang it again. And then something began to happen in the room. And I just said, keep singing the song. And they sang it again for like 12 or 14 minutes. We couldn't sing that song loud enough or long enough. And when I walked back on the stage, here's what I saw. I saw what I described later as a holy defiance. It was like my church started to believe what we were singing. Now listen, you don't have to believe everything you're singing, but sing it until you believe it. There's, there are times when I'm singing a song, I don't, I don't believe it. I wanna believe it, I know it's true, but right now in this situation in my life, I don't believe it. So what I decided is I'm gonna keep singing it until I do believe it, because I know it's true. And this is what worship does for you. It gives you a holy defiance. You start believing the goodness of the Lord. You believe that he's present with you and it starts changing your perspective. To my surprise, our church did not fold. Our church was resurrected somehow. By the power of God, it was resurrected. Just a few weeks ago, we baptized 362 people on a weekend. Miracle story in one weekend. An all-time record number of baptisms in a single weekend. Listen, three different witches who had lived their lives in satanic ritual worship have been, were born again and baptized on the same weekend at New Life Church. This, I watched as, as one lady, I, I knew who she was, I knew her story. She came up out of the tank sobbing. And she said, she said, this is the first time evil has not been present in my life. I am free from evil for the very first time in my life. Listen, in crazy Colorado, God's breaking through. And I don't know where you're living today. You might be living at noontime. Everything's great in your life. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I wish that over all of you. But I suspect there's some people in the room living at midnight. 
And sometimes we have to worship our way through the valley of the shadow of death. By the way, he says, his rod and his staff are there with me. I will fear no evil because he is with me in the valley of the shadow of death. But the next two verses, he says, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil. That's after the valley of the shadow of death. That's Psalm 23. We get to verse four and most of us stop, but there's hope after the valley. And I want to encourage you today. We're going to stand together. Stand up with me this morning. And we're just going to take a few minutes and put into practice what we've heard this morning. We're just going to lift our hand. Now, you may not be comfortable lifting your hands, but would you do it today just to be nice to the guest speaker? Let's just lift our hands before the Lord. Father in heaven, I call upon the name of the Lord. I ask today that you would come and visit every heart, mind, and soul in this room. Everyone watching online, I pray that the presence of the Lord would overwhelm them, overshadow them. I pray today as we worship, that you would come and remind us of your goodness, of your beauty, your authority, your strength, and your peace. And we welcome the presence of the Lord into our lives as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's sing together. Let's lift up our voice today and sing together. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.